Metu Netter, Volume 2, Anuk Ausar, The Comedic Initiation System. Chapter 7, The Story of Ausar. The story of Ausar is to the comedic people what the Old Testament is to the Jews, and the Bible is to the Christians. It is the master text of the Ausurian religion, which dominated the life of all Egypt throughout its history. It is the key un to understanding the philosophy and way of life of the people in all their major religious books. As told in this book, it is a reconstruction form, various sources, the pyramid text, the pole charts, Orias and Isis, inconsistencies and decisions to use a version of some accounts over others were resolved by using the pyramid text, hymns, and the Pert M. Eru, the Book of the Dead, as chief references. To get to the proper understanding and benefit from the story, we must keep in mind that the characters, the deities in the story, are personifications of faculties residing in the spirit of God and man. The action in the story teaches in a very vivid and coherent manner, which is the best way to affect memorization and understanding the functions of these faculties. Were you to personalize the principles of chemistry and physics, etc., and weave them into a story, you would make them so much easier to understand that you could teach them to eighth graders. You may, of course, have, defend, have to defend yourself from well-educated fools who will accuse you of believing that atoms are composed of people and that chemical activity results from their loves and wars and so on. Jeb, G-E-B, the divine intelligence governing the physical plane, and Nut, the divine intelligence governing the nominal plane, combined to form the faculties of man, which is the metaphoric presentation are embodied in five symbols. As father and mother respectively, Jeb and Nut gave birth to five children. In order of their birth, they are Ausar, embodying besides itself the faculties of wisdom and spiritual power. Heru Ur, another, it embodies the faculties of divine law, justice, and man's personal will. It suffers from the defect of spiritual blindness, which given the importance of seeing as shown in the previous chapter, it does not use its abilities. It allows evil to run rampant. Set, representing the partially developed will combined with the eighth sphere, which in turn is dominated by the animal spirit. Hence, it is the principle of evil in man. Incidentally, on account of him being the third born, the number three has acquired a stigma of being an unlucky number in the folklores of many people. Auset, representing man's persona when fully devoted to God, she becomes the wife of Ausar. Nebet Het, representing man's imaginative faculty, 
she becomes the wife of Set. It is important to note that the story is told on three levels. Everything in the story applies to the influence of human faculties on the behavior of the individual, of political forces of nations, and the behavior of nations towards each other. It is recommended that the left column embodying the story be read first in its entirety, followed by the reading along with the commentaries. Okay. Here begins the reading on the left side called The Story. When he became king of Kemet, the men he came to rule were in a savage state. They were nomadic tribes in constant warfare against each other. They were wholly given over to evil and sinful behavior. He brought civilization and spirituality to people, enabling them thus to achieve prosperity he gave them a body of laws to regulate their conduct, settled their disputes justify, justly, and instructed them in the science of spiritual development. I'm sorry, I'm going to redo that. It is recommended that the left column embodying the story be read first in its entirety, followed by the rereading along with the commentaries. We'll begin with the story on the left side in its entirety and then reread along with the commentaries on the right side. So here's the story. When he became king of Kemet, the men he came to rule were in a savage state. They were nomadic tribes in constant warfare against each other. They were wholly given over to evil and sinful behavior. He brought civilization and spirituality to people, enabling them thus to achieve prosperity. He gave them to a body of laws to regulate their conduct, settled their disputes justly, and instructed them in the science of spiritual development. He shared the rulership of the land with the Queen Mother Auset, who domesticated wild barley and wheat, along with Ausar, who taught men of taught men the art of agriculture, the tilling of the soil, cultivation of grains and of fruit trees. They also laid the material foundations for the development and growth of civilization. Brothers no longer lifted their hands against each other. There was prosperity and peace. Throughout the land of Kemet, having civilized Kemet, he turned the government of his native land to Auset and traveled around the world to spread the same instructions. He induced people to accept his teachings, not by force of arms, but by the use of persuasive lectures, spiritual hymns, and music. Wherever he went, he brought peace and learning to the people. While he was away, Auset ruled the land so expertly that her brother Set, who was consumed with jealousy over Ausar's success, was unable to realize his main desire. He sought in vain to stir up rebellion in the kingdom, so he plotted to overcome Ausar by deception, his chief characteristic with the help of a confederacy of 72 followers. When the Ausar returned from his mission, he was greeted with a royal feast. Set came with his 72 conspirators, supposedly to honor Ausar and to make merry. He brought a fernery chest in the shape of a man, which was also beautiful that everyone at the feast desired it for themselves. 
when everyone was in a joyous state from beer drinking, Set stated that he would give the chest to anyone whose body fit in the chest perfectly. They all tried it for size, but no one could fill it out perfectly. He came last to Ausar and asked him if he would try it, knowing all along that he would that it would fit the king, as he made the chest to the exact dimensions of his body. Ausar entered the chest and his body fit in every part. Before he could get up, the followers of Set jumped quickly to close the lid of the chest and nailed it down and slaughtered it, soldered it fast with lead. Needless to say, the king died immediately of suffocation. The feast was broken up in great confusion as followers of Set fell upon the people with their weapons to take over the government. Set commanded his followers to take up take the chest away and dispose of it in a secret place. They hastened through the thick cover of darkness and flung it into the Nile. The Nile's current took it to the open ocean and it was presumed lost forever on the bottom of the ocean. So ended the world's reign of peace, harmony, and prosperity. When the bad news regarding Ausar's fate was taken to Auset, she was stricken with great sorrow she wept bitterly and could not be consoled. In her grief, she cut off a lock of her hair, put on mourning clothes, and vowed to never rest until she found the body of her beloved king and husband. She searched everywhere, questioned everyone she met, and when it seemed that all was in vain, she met with some children who told her that they had seen the chest floating down the Nile and entering the sea. Meanwhile, set up Sir the throne of Ausar and reigned over the land of Kemet. Law and order. Um, law and order, which followed from. The moral upliftment of people was replaced by the use of force. Everywhere men were robbed of their possessions and land through legal unjust means. Once owners, they were now renters and wage earners. Tyranny and the law might prevailed as the divine law was repealed. Everywhere the followers of Ausar who lived by Ma'at were persecuted. The good queen mother, Auset, became a fugitive in her own land, and she fled to conceal herself in Set's own stronghold, the swamps and marshes of the delta of the lower Kemet. She believed that it was the last place he would dream of, forever, of ever looking for her. Seven scorpions followed her and served her as protectors. Ra also came to her aid, looking down from heaven and seeing her distress he took pity on her and sent Anpu, A-N-P-U, the son of Ausar and Nebet, to serve her guide and guard dog. One day, Auset requested shelter at the house of a poor woman, but refused by the woman who was stricken with fear on seeing the scorpions accompanying her. But a scorpion managed to slip in before the woman closed the door and bit her child, causing his immediate death. 
to repair the damage, Alcet uttered the words of power which caused the child to come to life again, for which the mother was so grateful that she allowed Alcet to stay in her house. The coffin of Alsar was taken by the wives of Byblos to a port city in southern Syria, and it was a cast on the shore, onto the shore. A tree sprang up and grew around it, enclosing the body of Alsar in its trunk. News of this tree, which grew so rapidly and of such beauty, came to the king of this alien land, and he commanded that it should be cut down and its trunk brought to him. He erected it as a pillar in his house without knowing the great secret it combined within. A revelation came to Auset in her dreams that she might find Ausar's body in Byblos. So she set off towards Syria by ship. When she arrived, she addressed as a commoner and sat beside a well weeping bitterly. At the well, she befriended the queen's handmaids whose hair she braided. Into each lock, she breathed a sweet and unique perfume. They went back to the palace and told their queen of this woman who had the strange power of exhaling and exuding perfume from the breath and body. The queen commanded that she be brought immediately before her. Auset found favor in the eyes of the queen who made her the nurse of one of her sons. Auset refused to nurse the child and to silence his cries for milk. She put her finger into his mouth. Instead of milk, at night he caused, she caused him to be enveloped in a sacred fire which would confer immortality to the child. In the meantime, she transformed herself into a swallow and flew to where the pillar containing the body of Ausar was kept and uttered loud cries of sorrow while flying around it. While she was thus engaged, the queen came by and saw the babe surrounded by the flame and snatched him from it, denying him thus of immortality. Auset transformed herself back into human form and confessed to the queen who she was and the purpose of her mission. She then asked the king that the pillar be given to her. The king granted her request and she cut deep into the trunk and took out the chest which she wrapped in linen and anointed with myrrh. The empty pillar was returned to the king who erected it as a monument to Auset, and for many centuries it was worshipped by the people of Byblos. Auset returned by ship with the coffin accompanied by Moneros, the king's firstborn. While at sea, Auset could not wait to see Ausar. So she opened the chest and embraced the corpse and wept bitterly. Meanwhile, the boy Mineros was, had secretly stolen behind her to see what was in the chest and what was going on. He turned suddenly and the fire was in her eyes, caused the boy to die in, of fright, and he fell into the sea. When Auset reached the land of Kemet, she took the body and according to pyramid text number 632, 1636, and murals at Abidos in Philae, she, quote, she transformed herself into a swallow and hovered over the dead body, causing a wind with her wings and raised the weary phallus of the silent-hearted dead and received his seed. Thus was Heru conceived.
She placed then hid the body in a secret place and hastened to Butu in the city of Chemis to give birth to her son Eru. Her triumph was short-lived. While she was in Buto, she came hunting a boar, the boar, at the full moon in the marshy swamps of the delta and by accident found the chest. Recognizing it, he opened it and took the body of Ausar and cut into 14 pieces and scattered them in various parts of the country. On hearing about Set's deed, Auset set out again in search of the members of the Ausar's body, this time accompanied by her sister, Nebet-Het, who until then was married to Set. A length she recovered all the parts except the phallus, which was swallowed by the Lipodotus fargus and the Oxyrhynchus fish. She buried an image of each member where it was found and erected a tomb, which became a place of worship by the people of the area. The existence of the actual members were kept secret so that Set would not resume his search for the body. Set continued this tyrannical rulership over the land, unrelenting in his persecution of followers of Ausar. The people's worship of Ausar strengthened his spirit and caused him to appear in a dream to his son, Heru, who was now a grown man. He encouraged him to regain the throne to which he was a rightful heir and gave him instruction in battle. Eru gathered his army and went to confront Set. They first met Edfu, whose where Set's army slew many of the followers of Heru. But Heru and his followers, although greatly outnumbered, resumed the war. His greatest weapon was his faith in the council from Tehuti, whose words were God's words, the Metuneter. They attacked Set and drove him to the eastern frontier. He sought refuge at Zaru, where Heru caught up with him, and the last battle of the war ensued. In this pitch battle that went on for many days, Set gouged out Heru's eyes, which would have cost Heru the war had not Tehuti healed it. With his insight regained, Heru managed to castrate Set. This was the decisive point in the war. Set was defeated, taken prisoner, and condemned to death. Heru turned him over to the queen, Mother Auset, for her to administer the judgment, but she refused to kill him on the grounds that they were all family and set him loose. Outrage, the impiteous youth cut her head off. Some say her royal diamond, 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 which was replaced by a cow's head or crowned by Tahuti. Although Set had been defeated, Auset and Nebet were still grieving over the death of Ausar in a chant. Auset exclaims, quote, gods and men before the face of gods are weeping for thee at the same time. When they behold me, as I invoke thee with wailing that reaches high as heavens, yet you do not hear my voice. I, your sister, loves you more than all the earth, and you love none other than more than me. 
end quote. And the Nebet, Nebet in her chant exclaims, quote, overcome the sorrows in the hearts of us, your sisters live before us, desiring to behold you, end quote. The lamentations of the goddess were heard by Ra and sent them once again at Anpu, who, with the assistance of Tahuti and Ra, reunited the December body of Aursar wrapped in it linen bandages and mummified it. Tahuti, Auset, and Heru performed upon the mummy the ceremony of opening the mouth of Aursar was brought back to life through the gift of the eye of Heru, which Set had destroyed but healed by Tahuti. Brought back to life, he was declared the judge of the king of the dead while Heru was to take his place as king of the living. Set objective, he publicly complained, according to one account, that Heru was a bastard and could not thus be the legitimate heir to the throne. According to another account, he staked his claim on the throne on the basis that he was the strongest in the world. Might he argue was the chief virtue of government, he also brought charges contesting the position of Ausar. Although Set, now emasculated, could have easily been disposed of by Heru through force, righteousness returned to the land with the return of Ausar, and Set was given his day in court. A great tribunal made up of 42 gods with Tem as leader and Tahuti as judge was assembled as Set's government was based on might and pure deception where force could not be openly applied. His words were found to be untrue. It was shown that in most instances, he contradicted and violated the laws he imposed on others. On the other side, Ausar and Haru had been shown to have lived by the laws that promulgated. Thus, they were found to be ma Kuru, true of word. Thus, the great quarrel was settled on the basis of right over might. The night in which the great verdict was awarded is known as the Kemetic spiritual traditions as the Kur Uchaumetut, night of weighing words. Set was sentenced to serve as the wind that propelled the boat of Ausar. In the following chapters, we will see how this story gives deep insight and coherence into the tree of life-based system of Kemetic initiation, the major hymns and holy books of Kemetic spirituality, and throws a great deal of light on the psychology, science, sociology, and history. And that was the reading of the left side of the left column of the story. And here also ends the reading on page 189.